Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. It's my privilege to, uh, to speak to you today as we jump into a new series. Um, so we've just finished this series on what we do, f- the things that we do for love, and, uh, and obviously we don't stop doing those things just, <laughs> just because we're changing series, all right? But we wanted to um, jump into a new series today, Think About It. Think About It. So what we want to do in this series over the next few weeks is we want to take some quite chunky uh, topics uh, whether they be topics within sort of culture at the time or kind of theological scripture, you know, sort of things, and just try and bring some biblical wisdom and understanding to those chunky topics because the reality is that the way that we think about things influences with the way that we live into those things. And so from, you know, from time to time, it's just good to stop to think about some of those bigger issues that we have around us, just say, let's bring some thinking to it. Let's, let's, let's consider together what might be important for us to understand and to, and to bring some biblical wisdom around it. And, uh, and so today, um, we are going to break some social etiquette rules, all right? We're going to talk about politics. Yeah. yeah, don't walk out the room. Don't walk out the room. <laughs> You know, the, the classic social, you know, setting thing, don't talk about religion and politics, you know. Well, we're going to break them both today, all right? And, uh, of course, we've got the elections that are right upon us a couple of weeks' time. Actually, on that 15th, by the way, um, after the game, um, Simeon's going to be preaching uh, He's gonna, in, within the series. He's going to be talking about the end of the world, We've got the All Blacks quarterfinal. We've got the elections the night before. Uh, it, yeah, it could be appropriate. It could be appropriate. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's important. So we want to talk about politics. Obviously, got the, we've got the election right upon us. And, uh, and I don't know if I drew the short straw or what. Um, but uh, we just thought it's good to talk about this, you know. And, and look, um, I do not stand here as any sort of, um, you know, I'm not proclaimed to be any sort of political expert by any stretch of the imagination. But we just thought, here we are in this season of time, it's important that we, that we actually do some thinking around it and, and talk about it. And I'm really aware that in the room and with us online and so forth, welcome by the way, um, we'll have all sorts of political persuasions, we'll have all sorts of different uh, opinions around the priorities of this particular election space that we're in at the moment. And, and uh, perhaps obviously or not so obviously, my intention this morning is not to lead us towards <laughs> you know, a particular box to check, uh, a party to vote for and so forth, it's, that's not the intention. Um, and, 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 and to be fair, it's not even really to, to lean too much into the what should be uh, the priorities for this specific election. It's actually one step back from that. It's more, as followers of Jesus, how should we think about politics? How, how, should, we, how should we engage uh, in, in, this, in this political sort of forum, this political space that we find ourselves in? And what are some of the important things that we should be looking for when it comes to 
politics. Sound like fun? Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Eh? God, I pray for your help. <laughs> no, Lord, we, um, we, just, we just pray right now that you'd come and help us in our thinking. Just uh, guide us, direct us, give us wisdom. Um, yeah, it's an important season for us as a country, and so we, we want to be mindful of that. We want to step into it. We want to be cognizant of the things that are going on around us, and we want to contribute to this country in good ways. Uh, so guide us and help us as we focus around this in these next few minutes, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So how do we approach politics? Bit of a big sort of topic, right? But it's important for us because it affects all of us. You know, um, you know whether, we, uh, whether we're here and we're able to, you know, 18 or over, we're able to take part in this democratic, democratic process of actually voting or just simply living out of the repercussions of that democratic process. You know, every single one of us are affected by politics, whether we, whether we care to admit it uh, or not. But especially for those of us who are Christians, and again, I don't propose that that's everybody in the room, um, but those of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus with our lives, it's just that important question, how, how should we approach this? How should we think about this? What should be important uh, in it for us? And so what I'd like to do this morning is I, I basically want to go broad to specific. All right, I basically want to look at, you know, broadly speaking, how is it that Scripture, the Bible, sort of approaches politics? Where do we see it within Scripture? And then just sort of slowly work our way towards being more specific in terms of this, you know, coming election that we have right in front of us. So broad to specific. It's a bit of ground to cover. All right? So just bear with, bear with. <laughs> yeah, speak really fast and it'll be all okay. Okay, if we dive in? So a good place to start is the Bible and politics. What does the Bible have to say about politics? Now, the Bible's got lots that we could, you know, uh, we could dive into in terms of uh, this topic, but there's a really, um, there's a really int a intriguing account that happens in 1 Samuel. So in, in 1 Samuel, a book in the Old Testament, you know, before the time of Jesus, we see this account of the first king of Israel being appointed. So Samuel at the time, he is the, he is the prophet and the judge of Israel, but they haven't, as a, as a nation, they haven't appointed a king. And so basically the, the Israelites come to Samuel at the time and they say, look, give us a king like all of the other countries that we see around us. They, in 1 Samuel 8, verse 5, they said to him, to Samuel, you are old. <laughs> Isn't that? Kate, there was a, familiar, there was a similar... <laughs> anyway, uh, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. And what's intriguing about this account is that Samuel basically turns around to them and says, but... But God is your king. You, you, don't, you don't need to have a king like the other nations because you've got, you've got God. 
And so there is this kind of back and forth that happens. The, the Israelites, you know, they, they continue to, to ask for that to happen. And long story short, he, he, he comes to that place of, of saying, okay, goes to God on it. God gives him the green light. And they go ahead and they appoint Saul as the first king of Israel. And, and so even from the very beginning of, a, of an official political system within Scripture, there is that sort of sense that it's okay, but it is somewhat of a counterfeit to the real thing. Somewhat of a counterfeit to really God being king. But it's, it's okay. Uh, in fact, um, Joseph Macaulay, who's a, just a, he's a pastor in Tauranga, but a great theological thinker, he says, better the rule, in summarizing this, he says, better the rule and reign of a political kingdom that isn't the kingdom of God than tyranny and chaos. You know? Um, Caitlin mentioned a few weeks ago in a in previous series, she was talking about how through scripture we see these biblical characters from time to time rise up and speak against the local political authorities of the time. Uh, this, you know, against some sort of you know, drawing away from God's ways. There's something important that these biblical characters sort of speak into. And it's important for them to do so. But in general terms, the way that Scripture approaches this is a support for the political rulers in, in general terms. And even a recognition of the God-appointed nature of them. So for example, there's lots of examples, but for example, in Exodus 22:28, Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. You know, this this honoring of the king and those in political leadership that we see that comes through. And it even comes through into the New Testament as well. Again, there are a number of examples, but one example is in Titus 3 verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. So yes, there are these times, important times, when people stand up against uh, you know, what is taking place. But in general terms, there is a support of the political structures that they see around them. Um, you know, basically, to be, to be good citizens, unless it goes against specifically God's ways of doing things, be good citizens. But in amongst this, and especially through the Old Testament, we see these examples, we see this, this growing realization of the counterfeit nature of it, and these prophecies about Jesus coming, right? This, this, this one who would come to mend the relational void that we had with God, that we could once again step into a close, intimate relationship with God, but also, some of those prophecies, you know, they, they sound pretty political. <laughs> so if we, if we sort of step a little bit further here and look at Jesus and politics. So for example, you know, coming into Christmas time. You know, a really, a really common prophecy that, that, that we read and that we celebrate at Christmas time is found in Isaiah 9. 
For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Sounds like kind of political language, doesn't it? (laughs) And it's epic promises, isn't it? epic promises of what we can celebrate coming into fulfillment when we see the life of Christ and that this government that he's talking about will be on his shoulders. There will be perfect peace, perfect justice, perfect righteousness. And, and you can understand why those who were looking for Jesus, looking for that one, we're anticipating some sort of significant political leader, right? You know, you can see why, why that would have, been, uh, would have been assumed, but, but herein lies some of the tension with the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, you know, that we, we talk about from time to time. You know, when Jesus came, he inaugurated the kingdom of God coming here on earth, but he began the work of God truly being king but he did it in a way that was unexpected he 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 came in taking the low route the servant route he didn't come to bring or establish political power in the traditional sense but he came to do it in other ways in life-giving ways instead he came to do something far more significant far bigger than that to see the kingdom of god begin to be established in the hearts of people. And for those people to therefore go about seeing that kingdom, being influenced by everything under that kingdom and that rule of God Himself. The now of the kingdom. And then the one day peace, the not yet peace. <laughs> that ultimately we will see the full expression of the kingdom of God being fully established here on earth as new creation, as when Jesus returns. And under this rule, like we see in that prophecy in Isaiah 9, there will be no, so there will be perfect peace, harmony of all people. There will be joy and hope. There will be life in all its fullness. The ultimate common good. But until that day, we will live in this tension (laughs) between the now and the not yet. Jesus will always be our hope rather than any political party or political ideology or set of political principles. Jesus will be our hope. It's not to say that politics shouldn't be important to us. Not to say that we shouldn't step into thinking about it in in good and healthy and uh, productive ways, but it's just that it's not to hold that ultimate place 
Jesus is, you know, and, and to be honest with you, one of my main sort of drivers uh, behind this message is really that, that however we would engage within our pol- political worlds around us, we would keep Jesus as king. We would keep Jesus as our hope. We'd keep Jesus as the one that we look to for seeing that ultimate good come into our world. Jesus as king. Because the kingdom of God is not a political system. It's not something that we vote in. It's something that we live out. And there's some really interesting observations that are made kind of by scholars as they look at, as they look at the political climate that Jesus and his disciples uh, were entering into, you know, in, in that place. And, you know, for one thing, for example, a democratic part the Jews did not play. <laughs> you know, they, they, they did not have the ability to be able to vote towards the powers that were going to be at play in that time. And so it seems that rather than looking for political power as such, they would seek to hold up a mirror to those who were in political power to see how they were going with serving their community well. To, to, to keep them and hold them accountable to leading well, to hold up that mirror. And Jesus and those early disciples in particular, you know, they, they existed in a regime that was highly antagonistic towards anything that would seek to sort of uh, negate the power that they had or held. You know, and, and we can see that the result of that is Jesus' death, ultimately, because they saw him as a threat, both from Rome and from the religious leaders of the time, as, as a threat that, that led him to being crucified on the cross. But not only do we see Christianity survive under that regime, we see it flourish. And, and personally, and I'm sure to many of us as well, it, that actually comes with great encouragement, you know, as we look at our political landscape at the moment, and we see that there seems to be um, a cooling, not a warming, towards issues of faith, particularly Christianity, uh, as, we, as we see that some of the values that we would hold dear to us and perhaps even uh, think, or not perhaps, but we would see as being really good for our society, as we see some of those perhaps getting eroded away. Again, Jesus is king, right? So it should be really encouraging to us that like Jesus and those early disciples, no matter the regime, so to speak, no, no matter the political landscape that they found themselves in or that we find ourselves in, we can still, still see the kingdom of God flourish in the hearts of men and women. That no matter what happens on October 14th as the votes come in, we can still have our hope of the kingdom of God coming in powerful and awesome ways. Amen? amen. <laughs> I think it you know, deserves an amen for that, right? <laughs> You know, Jesus had this masterful way of, of challenging, 
you know, the, the landscape, the people that were around him, and also speaking to uh, the deeper issues within our hearts, right? Again, lots of examples, particularly within the Gospels of, of Jesus doing that. But one example in particular that I just want to highlight for a moment, Matthew 22. So he's, he's posed with this highly charged, highly political question uh, around Caesar. And they are trying to trap Jesus into him saying something that's going to get him into hot water, right? Where do his allegiances lie? You know, what's important to him and so forth. Some of us will know this story well, but let's, let's read it in uh, Matthew 22 and verse 17. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me, show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Verse 21, Caesar's, they replied. So Caesar is, you know, image on the coin, but also there's an inscription about Caesar on the coin that says, Son of God and High Priest. Oh, okay, 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 that's, uh, that's another level. So Caesar, he's not just a political leader, he, you know, he's seen as a deity. And so, Jesus is like, okay, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But then his response is pretty amazing, the next bit, isn't it? You know? Then he said to them, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Don't deny Caesar what is due. And to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. You know, he's saying to those religious leaders who are asking him that question at the time, hey guys, you're meant to be the God people. <laughs> sure, give to, give to Caesar what's Judas, but who are you really worshipping as Lord? Sure, give to Caesar what's due to him, but give to God what's God's. Worship God, bow down to God, you know? <laughs> Whoo, we can sort of feel that sort of jab in there, can't you? You know, like, then they just scatter and walk away. Good call, walk away, walk away. Or when Jesus is on trial before Pontius Pilate, you know, right before he's convicted to uh, be hung on the cross, he's challenged about whether he is a king or not. Uh, and in John 18, we won't read all of it, but he effectively says, but my kingdom is not of this world. Yes, Pilate, I am a king, but not in the way that you're thinking. My kingdom is not of this world. It's not a kingdom that's established through human effort or with human systems of governance. It's, it's much better, much bigger, much broader, much deeper than that. And it's just further reinforcement for us that ultimately our hope, again, is in Jesus, not in a particular political party, personality, or, or ideology, because they will always come up short. There's no perfect party uh, out there. Now, what I'm going to do at this moment, unfortunately, is I'm going to take a massive and important piece of history and just not talk about it at all. <laughs> the interaction between the church and politics. 
You know, I, I, it's a big topic. It's a big topic. Uh, probably better served by the likes of Simeon's recent uh, church history focus group that he, that he just did. And, and, and I think it's fair to say that when the church and politics have been too closely aligned, unfortunately, it has not ended well. And that there, there is something about that seat of power that's, that just is not healthy or good for us. And, and it seems that the church has functioned best when it's had a more bottom-up approach than a top-down, in-power approach. What's that, 2,000 years of history? Yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds, whatever it was. It's important, but it's a little bit off-topic, and it's, it's big to talk about. But what I think would be perhaps more helpful to do is, okay, let's, let's just start to move towards a bit more of the specific, Okay. So if, in general terms, we see that Scripture generally supports you know, politics and those, those political structures, um, how is it that we should engage with those? What are some guidelines for engagement? So on either of those pendulum swings, right, you've got the complete ignorance. I don't... I don't care, I don't want to know about it. You know, you go and do your voting thing and politics thing and whatever, la 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 la. And on the other extreme of the pendulum, worshipping politics. Now, we may not use that language, uh, but essentially looking for a party or a political regime to be salvation for us as a country, for people, you know, so that's either extreme. So somewhere in the middle here, there is a more healthy, better um, spot for us to land in. And to help give some language for that framework, Rich Nathan, uh, who's the founding pastor of Vineyard Columbus in the States, in Ohio in the States, he, he uses these four sort of guiding principles uh, for how we can engage in politics. So even though he's speaking into an American context, I think it's still a real value for us in how we can have some good guidelines, all right? So, four quick-fire political guidelines for engagement. Number one, political but not partisan. Now, obviously a big issue within the States, but I think, to be fair, still for us. He's basically just saying, hey, it's good for us to engage politically, but don't, be blind, don't blindly support one particular party uh, for all time. You know, engage with what's going on uh, so, that, so that you can be aware because no one party will align to all of our values, to all of Scripture's values, to all of the church's values. It's just, it's just not reality. And it's okay for us to acknowledge that. Number two, be principled but not ideological. So we want to be driven by the principles that are taught to us, um, modeled, modeled to us by Jesus and Scripture, but we must deal with current realities. We, we must look at what is happening now. Remember, remember an imperfect counterfeit system that we are relying on. And again, it's okay to acknowledge that within that, no matter what we do, even if we choose not to vote, there will be some level of compromise. 
It's just the reality that's there. Civil, but not soft. Uh, this is really important for us, you know. How we engage with those who think differently to us. We must be highly respectful uh, of them in their opinions, but also of them as people. It's part of what Christ invites us into, but that does not mean that we have to be soft about standing up for the things that are important, that we believe in, that we see as being injustices, or that we see are, are important for the health of our country or otherwise. Be engaged, but not used. <laughs> uh, Rich Nathan, as he's talking about this, he's just talking about that idea that invariably politicians will have an, an agenda to them, and let's just be careful not to be part of uh, that agenda in uh, sort of being captured by it or used by it. Um, or it always sort of makes me laugh slash cringe. Uh, you know, around election time, as people are trying to win the Christian vote, ah, yes, I go to church, and I'm a Christian. So, ah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, it's just, we just want to be mindful of that so that we're not used by it. So I just thought the, the helpful, helpful guidelines in general for how we are to engage politically, right? Nothing too controversial yet? Good, good, good. <laughs> Okay, then if we get a bit closer to home, as I sort of uh, head us towards um, wrapping this up, uh, elections 2023, all right? So, so one thing that is helpful to be cognizant of is to, to realize about if you're new to voting, if you're a young voter, or you're new to New Zealand in voting, just in general how the system works, all right? Um, so... MMP, mixed member proportional, we have these two votes. It's just it's good to be aware of how it works, right? So you get a, a vote for a, a local electoral candidate, and you get a, a vote for a party. Any party, you know, major, minor, you, you can choose. Within that vote, uh, people are elected into parliament either by winning that electoral seat or by their party getting over the 5% Threshold. I think most of us in the room, you know, understand this. They will proportionally fill, those parties that get over the 5% threshold, they will proportionally fill the 120 seats that are in Parliament, right? Now, the government will be formed by either a party or more likely a number of two or three parties joining together to get over the 50% threshold or the 61 seats or more uh, within, within Parliament. And one of the important, important dynamics to understand is that 5% threshold piece, right? So if a party doesn't get over that 5% threshold, effectively those who vote for those parties, you know, gets reproportioned re into the, the parties that did get over the 5% threshold. So around election time, you hear that term wasted vote uh, sort of coming into it, and if you're not aware, that's what they're referring to that's the word they're referring to. So unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your political persuasions, um, 
it, 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 it discourages people from voting for those more minor parties because of not reaching, if they're concerned that they're not going to reach that 5% threshold. Make sense? Did I get it all right? <laughs> well, actually. All right. So I want to give you three C's to consider. Stanley's three C's, not, you know, just, okay. No subliminal messaging in here, you know. <laughs> First of all, it's good for us to clarify the content, all right? So it's important and helpful to consider what policies are being proposed by each of the parties, but also their track record of some of those policies. You know, often around election time, parties become conveniently uh, quiet about some of the more controversial uh, issues that they've been involved in the past over the last little while. And boy, have there been some controversial issues in the last little while. So it's helpful for us to do a little bit of digging, you know, rather than just simply taking on things at face value. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I, I, I saw this morning that there are still uh, some of those brochures available if you want them from Family First. They put, for example, a summary together of the way that different individuals within the different parties have voted for different issues. But even within that, you've got to be aware that that particular brochure, that content, is almost solely around morality. It, more important issues please, they're important issues, but they are those issues of morality, almost exclusively. Obviously, there are more than just those moral issues that are at stake uh, for this particular election. So it's good for us to go broader than that and start to look at different, uh, different policies. A little bit of Googling will serve you well to find some summaries of the different policies and so forth that are available, you know, for each of the parties. And, and might I just add with the family first thing, it's family first. You know, it's whether, it's whether um, uh, individuals have voted according to what they see as being the right thing. No, it's not a statement of the church necessarily or scripture necessarily. It's, it's according to the way that they would think would be the right thing to vote in. So clarify the content. Do some digging. Find out, all right? Ready for the second C? Yeah. Character, all right? So as we consider who it is that we want to vote for, it's not just words on a paper, is it? It's about the character of the person or people that we are voting in. It's good for us to consider who is it that we are actually voting for. Are they a person of integrity? Do, they, do we feel like we can trust them? Do we see that they have New Zealand's best interests at heart? Or does it seem more like it's just about personal promotion? What are they like under pressure? You know, all of those good, just basic leadership questions that we should be asking of someone as we put them into a place of leadership. Character. Uh, and finally, I know that I'm uh, sort of racing here a little bit. Um, common good. So you've got clarifying the content, character, and common good. And this is where we broaden out from what might be good for me to being what might be good for us. As a country, as a community, you know, you can use all sorts of different examples, 
but there will be policies and you know, things that do not relate to you almost at all. But you'll be able to see if they are, or you'll be able to think if they are helpful for the common good or not. It's important to broaden it out. Um, Joe Carter, uh, in fact, um, Jono and Ross, you guys want to just come and join me? Uh, Joe Carter, who, who writes for the Gospel Coalition as a pastor in McLean Bible, Bible Church, he says, a reasonable standard for Christians would be to cast your votes based on what we believe will most promote the common good. Now, there's a long list of possible topics of that common good. I'm not going to wade into them, obviously, but they are things like the care of the poor and marginalized, protection of religious freedoms, agendas driving what our young people are being taught in schools, cost of living, care for the environment, immigration, crime, our healthcare system. You know, the list goes on and on. And for each of those areas, it's worthwhile us considering, you know, how would Jesus approach those issues? What would be important to him? And overarching all of this is to have a prayerful approach to pray about uh, how we should personally vote, but for the broader uh, scheme of things as well. You know, it's, it's been a pretty uh, interesting, to say the least, political season for us as a country, hasn't it, you know, over these past few years. And so let's be a people who would do that, who would prayerfully approach this particular election time and to the government that gets formed, whatever that government looks like. Because remember, no matter what happens, government won't be our answer to this world, what this world really needs. Jesus will still be on the throne and we will still live in the tension between the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Let's Vote wisely, but keep Jesus as King. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whānau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.